welcome to Funny Stories to Tell in the Dark, a podcast sharing good stories during less than good times. I'm Julie Sinsulo. So we are reaching the end of this horrible year. There's something nice about feeling like we are at the end of 2020. I keep hearing everyone talk about it like it's the light at the end of the tunnel. But then I just think about how realistically we will probably not be back to anything close to normal until maybe the end of 2021. Maybe. And then I think life wasn't all that great back in 2019. I wasn't sad in the way I'm sad now, but I was sad then too. We keep romanticizing this idea of normal, but normal in 2019 still meant being overworked and stressed out about the fate of the world. My hope for 2021 is that we stop talking about how we get back to normal and focus more on moving forward towards a world that is healthier and less plagued with capitalist racist ideologies. On that note, today's story is about holding on to the past while being forced to confront a new normal. It is also a Christmas story. Hear those jingle bells ringing? So sit back and enjoy some holiday cheer. Real quick though, before we get started, I just wanted to say that I really, really appreciate all of you who listen to this show. It brings me a lot of joy to make it, and I hope it brings you the same amount of joy to listen to it. And if it does, then I would like to cash in right now on this transactional host-listener relationship of ours and ask you to do a favor for me. Please, 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 please go rate and review this podcast in whatever app you're listening to it in. Like seriously, it'll take 10 seconds and it helps me out a lot. It tricks the podcast algorithm into thinking that this is the most popular podcast that's ever been made and it helps more people find this show. I have been digging into my Spotify listener demographics lately, and I know that many of you are men in your late 20s and 30s, and that you love listening to Ariana Grande. And my hope is that more men in their late 20s and 30s who also listen to Ariana Grande can find this show, and then you all can meet out in the wild and become friends. So really, my goal here is just to help you form some healthy, adult male friendships. I'm doing this for you. So do this one quick thing for me. Here, you can do it right now. I'll play some hold music so you don't miss anything. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for letting me beg for your approval and more importantly for listening to this show. Okay, now that that's done, here's this week's story. It's from actress and writer Laura Ritchie. So this story starts for me around Christmas time when I had just turned 12. It was a period of my life that was just sort of generally in upheaval. We'll get to the turmoil of Laura's 12th year in a moment. But first, it's important to understand the Ritchie family. I have an older sister, an older brother, and a younger sister. Laura was very close with her siblings. They grew up Catholic. So we have a lot of traditions, religious or otherwise. For example, they always lit an Advent wreath during the four weeks of Advent in December. They also did Secret Santa, but with a little Richie twist. We didn't call them Secret Santas. We called them Kris Kringles, like KKs. And when you drew your KK name, 
you were supposed to do nice things for them throughout all of December. So like make their bed or make a cute little thing out of pipe cleaners for them in secret because you didn't want anyone to know who your KK was. But my favorite holiday tradition that Laura told me about is the Christmas nail. So it was like a big, long nail that was supposed to be one of the nails that they would have used to like nail Jesus to the cross. Um, and it had a red, red ribbon attached to it, so that's how you could hang it. My dad, he would hide it on the Christmas tree before we would hang ornaments. And it was always a race to see who could find it first. You got a lot of bragging rights for that. If you're a little creeped out by the idea of children searching for a rusty nail that was used to hang a man onto a big stick of wood, that's okay. But what's important here is that we respect each other's cultural traditions and we don't express our discomfort. It's just, is it weird? I think it's really weird. <laughs> it's weird. It's, it's definitely different. Most families have a Christmas pickle. So most families will put a little pickle ornament on the tree because it's green, so it blends in. I hadn't heard of a Christmas pickle either, but Laura sent me a Wikipedia article about it. A lot of people think a Christmas pickle is an old German tradition, but the Christmas pickle was actually developed as a marketing campaign in the United States in the late 19th century. The pickle was supposed to look like a traditional German glass ornament, and then the legend evolved from there. I guess what I'm saying here is that the origin of a tradition is less important than the way it's practiced in your family. All families practice all sorts of different traditions during the holidays. My family, for example, had a tradition of yelling at each other about my dad's favorite ornament, which was this creepy little beaver playing soccer, and arguing over whether or not we should display it in the front of the tree or hide it in the back and pretend it didn't exist real wholesome, spirited family debates were had, rolling our eyes at that beaver. I can only assume that the Christmas nail was Laura's version of that. It never was weird to me. It was just something that we did. But all of Laura's Christmas traditions were interrupted when she turned 12. We had just moved into this new house. They didn't change towns or anything. Like, I didn't go to a new school. I wasn't going to have to make any new friends. It was literally the location. But the change felt significant to Laura. I was not happy about it. I felt like a lot of the traditions that we had were tied up in the house that I grew up in. In the old house, there were two levels of stairs where the kids could stand and look for the Christmas nail. The new house, we didn't have that. The KK tradition also felt different in the new house. It was a lot harder to sneak around. The bedrooms were farther apart. This, this new house just kind of felt like a big divide. My older sister was now in high school, so she spent a lot of time studying in her room. My brother's bedroom was now in the basement, so he was just kind of removed. We had this sign going up the stairs to the bedrooms upstairs that said, Happy memories are made here. I just remember staring at that sign, my eyes narrowing, thinking, there are no happy memories made here. There are no memories made here because we've barely lived here. The house was one part of the upheaval that Laura mentioned at the beginning of the story. The other part was just because I was 12. 
and this little thing called hormones were happening. I was a very particular brand of angsty preteen. When you're Catholic, there is not a lot of discussion around the body. But you kind of get mixed messaging in school because on the one hand, you're told you're made in the image and likeness of God, your body is a temple, but then on the other hand, it's like, oh, but your body is where sin is. So there's kind of this like awkward push and pull trying to figure out this like body that you're going into. And I was just really feeling that social awareness that kicks in at that age, just like brain chemical wise. Laura found uh, interesting ways of coping with this. I wrote a poem about how no one was going to ask me to prom, but that that was okay because Jesus would take me in heaven. And sadly, this poem is lost to time. <laughs> it's lost to time. All I remember is a line about twirling around in my pretty pink dress. What would Jesus wear to prom? I think just robes, whatever Jesus normally wears. <laughs> I didn't picture him in a suit or anything that felt out of place. I just, I think I was really hard on myself. I just had a lot of like body dysmorphia. Being a teenager is like having a little voice in your head that can constantly identify the things that embarrass you most. Laura's internal critic singled out her greatest insecurity. And you're really hairy. Her burgeoning body hair. My dad's Italian, so I just come from like a really hairy bunch. I remember sitting in the uh, crisscross applesauce position and being so bored that I would twist my leg hairs together. They were like an inch long. Laura asked her mom if she could start shaving her legs. Her mom gave her approval, but wanted to make sure that Laura had the right tools. And she, like, dug out this old electric Remington razor that was corded and dull. When she pulled it out of the bag, I remember looking at it and thinking, like, no, I don't want that. (laughs) It was sort of, like discolored yellow. It wasn't rusty or anything, but it it was definitely dull. But poor Laura was desperate. She took the razor. And it was so loud that I felt like when I used it, I was just announcing to my entire house, like, I'm shaving my hairy body now. (laughs) The worst part about growing up is having to acknowledge it. Like having to ask a teacher to borrow a tampon in the middle of third period or admitting to your mom that you think it's time to start wearing a bra. It's almost like confessing to a crime that you didn't commit. You start looking for evidence that things aren't changing. You try to hold on to childhood a little bit longer. This is what Laura was feeling the first Christmas in their new house. And as Christmas got closer, I was a little bit nervous about how some of these traditions were going to translate. On Christmas Eve, we open up all the family gifts. So the KK gifts, stuff from mom and dad, grandparents, what have you. And then Christmas morning was always the Santa gifts. And the Santa gifts were like the really good ones. You know, when you go back to school and your friends ask you what you got for Christmas, those were the ones that you wanted to share. That year for Christmas, Christmas Eve happened. You know, we went to mass, had family dinner together. We opened up our gifts. We went to bed. 
And Christmas morning, we had a very specific ritual, which was we would all run down the stairs together at the same time to go open up the Santa gifts. We knew when it was time to run down the stairs because my parents would start playing We Need a Little Christmas by Percy Faith. The music starts playing, we dash down the stairs, and everything just already feels different and wrong because it's not the right set of stairs, everything is in a different spot. They started opening presents, and things were feeling a little bit normal. And we kind of all watch each other open up these gifts because we're excited about what everybody's getting. We were pretty good about sharing what we got anyway. And I watch as my older sister unwraps an aquarium. And then I look over at my brother, who unwraps a shotgun, which just felt very adult and was kind of like, a, oh man, like there's, you know, there's a gun in the house now. And then I turn and look, I look at my younger sister and she had asked for a guitar that year and boom, that's what she opened up. So I'm looking around at these awesome gifts that my siblings are getting. I'm like, okay, it is a haul this year. What am I gonna be getting? This is it. I'm at my last present. Let's go. So I open it up, and inside is the brand new electric Remington razor. It was cordless, uh, but it was definitely not what I was expecting. And I felt kind of unsure what to do. I froze for a second, and I... I almost tried to hide it under my candy because I didn't want to have to explain. It was awful. I was so embarrassed. Everybody stopped and looked at me. Or at least that's how I remember it in my dramatic 12-year-old brain. Is that everyone was like, oh, what did you get? Because everyone else's had already been revealed. So it was sort of one of those, I got a razor. Look, it's blue and cordless moments. And my mom tried to sort of rectify the situation, smooth it over. She was like, well, it's a really nice razor, which it was. Just felt very embarrassing to have to be like, yeah, this, you know, mystical bearded white dude brought a 12-year-old a razor for Christmas. <laughs> Luckily, Laura's siblings didn't tease her too much about the razor. But getting a razor for Christmas really felt like a symbol of change. In the same way that a Christmas nail, or a Christmas pickle, or a Christmas beaver is a symbol of the start of the holiday season, getting a razor for Christmas was a symbol of the start of something else. It was symbolic of the fact that Laura's family, her house, her body, her life, were all changing. I think at the time, it felt like the end of innocence. When we believed in Santa Claus, my parents went like all out. Like we did the whole leaving the cookies out thing, and my dad would like rush us over the window and be like, I think I saw Rudolph's nose. You know, we would all sit down in the living room and watch Christmas movies together. And then when we moved, it was sort of... I honestly think just sort of the luster of everything kind of faded. Looking back on it now, you know, I feel like I was right. Like our family was changing. We were kind of in this period of transition. Change is scary because when one thing changes, 
it likely means a lot more change is on the horizon. The years start coming and they don't stop coming, you know? One minute you're getting a razor for Christmas, the next minute you look around and you have a job and bills, and instead of being self-conscious about your hairy legs, you're self-conscious about your career and your love life and, I don't know, everything. It makes you want to go back to an easier time, even though that time didn't feel that easy when it was happening. And now two of my siblings live out of state, so there are very few days that we are all together. And Christmas is usually one of those times. I don't know if that will happen this year or not. Eventually, we become nostalgic for the times when getting an embarrassing gift felt like the worst thing that could ever happen. Now looking at it, especially with this year, I just have the feeling of like, you know what? I would gladly take a razor every year if it meant that the whole family could be together. But I will say, if my KK this year is listening, please don't give me a razor. I actually still have it somewhere, and I don't need a new one. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Funny Stories to Tell in the Dark. And thank you again for rating and reviewing this show, which I'm sure you did at the beginning, but if not, you can do it right now. If you would like to tell me a funny story for this show, then you can send me a message on Instagram at funny stories in the dark, where you can also follow me. I post pictures for every episode, so please go check it out. I hope you all have a a not miserable end of 2020 and that you have big New Year's Eve plans so we can all collectively tell this year to fuck off. And while we're at it, let's tell 2021 to fuck off too, or to at least try harder. Here is to trying harder in 2021. I was gonna say see you next year, but I hate when people in my office say that when they're just leaving for winter break and I don't want to perpetuate office culture here. So, uh, see you, uh, see you next time. Thanks for listening.